Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not already doing so, and do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Professor Steve Evans, who is leading efforts at the Sustainability and Conservation Research Hub at Wilson College at the University of Cambridge. We're going to be looking at the hub's work in convening and cross-pollination of ideas, bringing together students, academics, the business community, focusing on disruptive solutions to the destruction of our natural world. And we're also going to be touching on the ambition they have for a regenerative college and creating a regenerative world, so going beyond sustainability. So we're going to find out what that's all about as well. So without further ado, Steve, it's great to see you again. Welcome on to the Do One Better podcast. It's really fab to be here. Excellent. Well, it's good to see you again. And you're, well, you wear a few hats. You're, you're really leading efforts on the Sustainability and Conservation Research Hub at Wilson College at the University of Cambridge. And you're also a director of research in industrial sustainability at the Institute for Manufacturing within the Department of Engineering at the University of Cambridge. It's quite a long title, but we're going to use some shorthand. And as far as the Sustainability and Conservation Research Hub, we're just going to call it the Sustainability Hub. Uh, and why don't we start by finding out what that hub is all about? What is a hub? It's the center of a wheel. The wheel needs a hub and spokes and lots of other components but the hub bit is what pulls us all together and you know as a lovely college and a great institution of learning and research we want people to come together to solve significant challenges of our time so the idea of hubs was invented as something that's outside of a discipline outside of your learning so if you join a hub, you're not joining something to get extra marks in your course. You're joining something because you want to learn how to tackle great challenges. What we are is very open. So as is typical of Wilson, as you'll remember, well, how do we get the most out of people's talent? Different people have different disciplines that they're bringing but also different personal competences. What are your strengths? What do you want to stretch in yourself? And the hub is an attempt to mix all of these lovely, competent people together who have a shared purpose to make the world a better place and to give them chances to invent things to do that meet their objectives and help solve that grand challenge. Oh my gosh, what a long explanation. No, but that sounds that sounds good to me. And so you're looking at disruptive solutions. I remember you were mentioning disruptive solutions to tackle all this sort of destruction that's happening to our natural world. Um, these solutions, I imagine, come not just from the academics, but also from the students and key stakeholders from all various sectors, right? We simplify it down to our four key uh, direct stakeholders, students, the fellows and teachers, those people who are the staff. You know, this is a working place. A lot of people work here in the college and the alumni. Now, those are the first set of connections. And of course, all of those people have connections to their families, to the businesses that they might work, work in as an alumnus, etc. So there's a bigger world out there. 
is not just here, but what we want is a place that's safe to push ideas. So we don't have a program for running around the building, turning the lights off, right? You can get that anywhere. But maybe what you might not get elsewhere is a challenge that says, how do we build a future estate for an educational establishment that is both healthy and low carbon? So we're specifically looking at the interactions between health and low carbon. That isn't easy to find. And so we give people really meaty challenges or people grab. Let's, let's be clear. Give suggests some sort of hierarchy where somebody comes up with an idea and then has others solve it. No, people come to the hub with enthusiasms and we encourage them to be brave and also to expand. If you come with a great idea about the learning environment and the way we use energy, then we'll slowly fold in information about how that impacts people's mental health and see whether you're willing to grab the bigger challenge. And tell me, in terms of great ideas, the idea for this hub itself, how did it come around and why did you feel that there's a need for such a hub? And you're at the Department of Engineering at the University of Cambridge. I'm sure there's a lot of cross-pollination of ideas and uh, multi-disciplinary engagement there as well. Why this hub? Why at, the, why at Wolfson College? Uh, well, why hubs at all at Wolfson? You have to ask the president. <laughs> Jane Clark came up with the idea that she thought that Wolfson was especially open and inclusive. And we loved when the different stakeholders, when staff worked with students, when students worked with fellows and alumni. And we have people who are being educated, mature people who are being educated across many, many disciplines. And she felt that we were already doing this, but it was incredibly informal. You could occasionally see groups of people coming together around a topic. And she wanted to make sure that that was properly formalized, encouraged and supported by the college directly rather than completely ad hoc. So the president's invention, let's have hubs. Um, why sustainability? Well, we happen to be wanting to tackle the big challenges of our time, issues around global health, around sustainability and conservation. Those are topics which relate to many of the degrees that the students are taking and to many of the fellows. So we've chosen some topics to start with, sustainability being one. I have to take an aside here, Alberto. It's quite rare, I think, to meet somebody who studies multidisciplinarity as a topic. I've been supervising research and PhDs in multidisciplinarity since oh, 1990. I am rather ancient. So I actually study the problem of how does one discipline interact well with another one when trying to solve a tough problem. So my part of my research is on innovation and multidisciplinarity. 
that makes me quite a good person, I believe, to help bring these fantastic resources. The raw material in a place like Wolfson is fabulous, right? The students are competent and motivated and willing to look to the side of their topic, not just straightforward at their exam marks. The staff, maybe that's my biggest surprise, the staff have been absolutely blinking fantastic. They've wanted to engage with the students. So not just, right staff, what are you doing about the boilers or about the menu so that it's lower meat? and having the staff being given professional objectives. No, what we've done is create a living lab where the staff work with students on projects. And one of the most beautiful things I've seen, truly, is sitting in a room, listening to the staff who care for the fabric of the buildings and understand the wires and the pipes and where the energy goes, with the students who want to reduce that quantity of energy, talking together about ideas that might substantially change our numbers. I'm going to put an advert in here for a particular idea that we try to champion. We talk about using our brains, not our wallets, to solve problems. And I think when you get the right people together who are able to listen to each other from other disciplines, and when you have the constraint that you're not allowed to use money to solve the problem, or certainly not used, allowed to use large amounts of money to solve a problem, then you have to be smart. And it's quite fun watching that process click. You can imagine a situation where the students come along and go, why don't we have heat pumps? Yes, well, if you want to donate a few million pounds, we'll do that. But what if we could use our brain power to make the same amount of carbon saving. That would be rather more satisfying and a much greater learning opportunity. Mm. Give us a glimpse into how things have shaped up since you guys launched the hub. And by that, I mean the convenings, the interactions across disciplines and across students, academics, fellows, uh, the business community. Give us a little bit of a glimpse into that. And then also in terms of what's keeping you up at night with excitement? What, what, what are some of the things percolating there at the hub that you think, you know what, I'd really want to shout about this? Well, very big question. What, what have we been doing that is really pleasing? I've got a second moment where just being in the room gave me a shiver. And it was a bit of an experiment quite early on, and it's now working really very, very well. Uh, so early on, we're in the middle of COVID with Zoom meetings, which does take something away from human interaction. But it also allows everyone to be in the same place at the same time with greater ease. And during COVID, we saw a change. Alumni were joining Zoom meetings in significant numbers with students and with pre-students. So people who'd applied, been accepted, and were two months away from walking through the gates for the first time. So what I was watching was people from multiple generations sharing wisdom and stress and finding opportunities to learn from each other. And it was completely unplanned. And now 
we have a mentoring program. We have a fairly obvious mentoring program at one dimension where, oh, it, I aim in the future to go into this sector of NGOs, of business, and there might be an alumni in said sector. Wouldn't it be great to make a contact? Well, we do that naturally anyway. What we're talking about is relationships where people see somebody else in a physical room, in a Zoom room, and realize that they seem to have a competence or an enthusiasm for something that I want to develop myself. And so you have very ad hoc mentoring, which we partly formalize. And that's fabulous. That was never specifically designed in as an objective, and it just happened because everybody gains. Uh, I refer to serendipity a lot. The hub is a place where you put really great ingredients together, and sometimes things happen that you weren't planning or predicting, and that, that was one of them. So you can see there that there's a bit of mentoring happening. We have a very specific program. You know, a lot of our students are not doing studying topics directly related to sustainability, so we offer them the chance to spend time with people who really know what they're doing. We've got some very competent staff and alumni. So you can see them in a room of an evening, small group of you know, six people talking with an expert on a subject and learning. No exam, no test. It's all about sharing and the willingness for those with knowledge to share and for those who want to acquire that knowledge to spend time to invest when they're already doing a busy course. You know, those are the ingredients. I think that's fabulous. The living lab element of what we do is increasingly important. We don't just want to talk, we want to do. And we have a particular process which allows us to propose specific actions on the estate. So we can change, for example, the way that we travel plan. We can change the food menu. We can change the way that we set out scheduling the heating of buildings. And those are laboratories. They're experiments that are jointly run by students and staff. So we set this up, and I've got, I've got to comment on this. My, the very first proposal we received, we, we make people write their ideas down. And it came from an engineering student who was very irked by the food waste and decided, I don't know where the origin, the inspiration was, decided they wanted to do an art project on food waste. So this is not an art student. This is an engineering student. And they spent some time with some of our fellows from the world of art and proposed a very specific idea. And you might only see the final outcome. So the final outcome would be a series of what looks like Dutch old master paintings. So classic tabletops with food and fruit and some flowers, some nice vase, some nice plates and silver cutlery. But on closer inspection, you'd notice that all the food was waste. It had been collected at the end of the day by that student, moved into a corner 
of the dining room and photographs were taken of it. So the first thing you see is beauty. We didn't want this particular person didn't want to send a message of anger. Oh, look, you terrible people, look at the food waste. Just wanted to alert people and help people think about food waste and wanted to enter that through the concept of beauty. So our very first project was really quite crazy. And uh, we rather enjoyed that because it worked. People wanted to talk and engage with this idea of beauty and waste. And what does that mean? And through that, people become more aware of food waste. And if you're aware of it, you tend to create less of it. Long story, but I do think there's, there's something in that story about how allowing something that doesn't seem to have a place. I don't know where. Where else would you go to have an engineering student do an art project that's about the beauty of food waste? You have to come to Wolfson, right? That encapsulates the uh, the whole interdisciplinary side of things perfectly, I think. And indeed, it, those would be sort of almost diametrically opposed sort of uh, backgrounds, as it were, right? The, the engineering on one hand and the artistic flair on the other. But here we have putting those together. And look... You know, there's lots of creative engineers out there. And, you know, this is a creative engineer, but they would not have come to this solution without trawling around people from very different worlds, right? And, and the idea that let's do something beautiful rather than something shocking and negative, that came from interdisciplinary conversations it wasn't part of the original invention. So, fabulous. I love the anecdote. The The fact that you have someone coming in from a specific discipline and then participating in the hub, embarking on this artistic project, and then also that cross-pollination of ideas, people interacting with each other. I imagine then you can see that full circle where people who've participated in that then go back to their specific faculties or departments and leverage what they've learned at the hub and experience at the hub in order to enrich that specific discipline from which uh, from where they're they're really focused uh well i'm going to say yes it can be a bit annoying though can't it you know somebody comes from, oh you've wandered off to college and you've done one of these wonderful little living lab projects and you come back and you start wanting us to stretch away from geography away from straight economics away from straight chemistry you want us to stretch into this world it can be annoying so one of the things that we spend a lot of time talking about is how do we bring these fresh ideas help people become systems thinkers without constantly annoying everyone around them you know how do you bring others into it so that it's positive and joyous is actually one of the things that I believe we specialize in. And what we don't want is people who are technically competent running around demanding that others behave in a particular way or join in particular programs because there is a higher moral purpose. We've got plenty of experience of that not working very well. And I think that the safe environment of a college allows people to run personal experiments 
No. What if I decided not to tell people that they must be greener, but tried a different approach? And I think that's part of what we're encouraging. People are running their own mini personal experiments constantly, trying new skills, new ways to talk about the same subject. How many years has the hub been around now? Uh, we're in our third year. We're doing, I think we're doing really rather well. And uh, I'm sure at some point you're going to ask me what the next challenge is. And part of it is maintaining momentum because we do have an exciting thing that's happening. So it takes energy to always maintain a certain level. We're probably at a point where the scale of what we're doing requires a little more formality, but you want to invent that formality and the resourcing of that in a way that doesn't lose the freedoms that we've previously had. And I think the big next challenge I would like Wolfson to be the world's first regenerative college. Mm. When I started on this journey as a sustainability researcher, we thought we had 200 years to solve the problem. I thought that my students, 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 students might see real change. And our research questions and our research was very different because of that. Every year that I've been studying the subject, the deadline seems to have moved towards us by five years, maybe 10. So now we know we have 10 years to do something meaningful. That significantly changes the research that I do personally because of the urgency. But we also know that we've already overshot on many of the planet's limits. So now we have to go into repair mode. So the questions that we're asking are no longer how can we reduce the impact of the world so that we tread lightly on the planet? That's what I would define sustainability as. I, we can do this sustainably forever. Well, not if you've already trashed the planet. We actually have to get it better. We have to take carbon out of the air. And we can't wait the 200 years half-life of CO2 for that to happen. We talk about being in repair mode. And I would prefer to call that regenerative. You know, if every time you went to work, every time you travel somewhere, every time you purchased an item made in a bunch of factories somewhere, you knew the water was cleaner afterwards than before. The air was cleaner. The soil was cleaner. The people who were involved in getting that to you were healthier. That's regenerative. And I think Wolverson are in a great place to be a regenerative college that's the next big one well i love that and I, I should just mention to our listeners also we did have sir david king on the show a while back who heads up the center for climate repair out there in cambridge as well uh former chief uh, science advisor to the uk government regarding the wolfson uh aspiration for it to become a regenerative college tell us a little bit about what that actually looks like and we've had we've covered a little bit of regenerative agriculture, for instance, but I'd love to get your take on on this uh, really fascinating aspiration you have. So, trying to define what regenerative is is still a very new thing. It's like going back pre nineteen ninety two and saying what does sustainability mean? Until we ended up with the Brundtland 
definition, then working those out in the Millennium Development Goals by the UN and eventually the Sustainable Development Goals. Exactly what regenerative might mean for different people, well, I'm going to allow that to be interpreted because we want everyone to join. But if we take the one dimension that is most associated with regenerative, which is regenerative agriculture, we know that we're destroying the soil health. So effectively, we're not living off our interest. We're living off our capital. The soil gives us great interest. It takes in the sun and chemicals from the air, and it turns it into health in the soil, and it turns that into health in the products that we eat from it. It is possible to live off the interest. But if you've reduced the capital to the point where the soil is less productive, we can no longer live on the interest of that denuded soil. And that's what we mean by regenerative. So agriculture has spotted this problem maybe earliest, and there is a small but growing part of the agricultural world that is trying to understand regenerative agriculture. I'm trying to make that a bigger thing. What is a regenerative world? And I'm interested, and my research is in the world of business. So what is regenerative business? I'm specifically interested in the most polluting part of business, which is factories and industry. Everything we touch has been made somewhere in a factory if it's not grown on a farm. Everything that's grown on a farm, 90% plus of that will have gone through a factory before it reaches you. Factories are where we do things at such massive scale. In one second, I have no idea how long my last sentence was, but in each of those seconds, the world's factories produced 1 million PET bottles. 1 million a second. So I'm really interested in solving this problem at scale, and I'm going to where the numbers are biggest, factories, personally, my research. The college encapsulates all of life. It's got people from every generation. It's got buildings and various activities. We have our large kitchen, but we also have small kitchens in each corridor. So what a wonderful place. If we can learn how to make Wilson regenerative, then everybody who arrives and leaves will have their own view of how to make that happen in their own lives. Mm. Question for you, and I love the fact that you're taking the regenerative angle beyond agriculture into a regenerative world and actually regenerative business. How can the business uh, community, especially those within Cambridge, because it's a very vibrant uh, space as well, how can they get involved with you guys, find out a bit more, uh, explore collaboration with you? We're really available. I mean, I hope the signal throughout the podcast is how open we are. So one of the things that we've tried to do is open up, for example, a sustainability startup activity supported by Wolfson College. So you don't have to be uh, an ex-Wolfson student, but if you have a startup idea, we've got a little incubator that might give you a little bit of help there. So hopefully the signal of openness is out there. 
I'm really easy to find online, right? Just look at me, Steve Evans, Wolfson or Steve Evans Cambridge will give you my email and I will answer. Excellent. Even if you have a water-based internal combustion engine mad idea, I still <laughs> love listening. <laughs> um, now, before you, you run off, I, I do want to ask you for a key takeaway. What's that one thing you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Uh, two things. Great. I think they're connected. It's lessons that some of us have learned in our research around the world about actually making a difference and making things happen. And one of them is it's important that we solve these problems with our brains, not our wallets. But there's a connection that it's actually more fun to solve it with your brains than your wallets. And therefore, it's easier to motivate people to join with you. So make it fun and don't make it expensive. Here, here. Steve, thank you so very much for joining us on the Do One Better podcast today. Really great seeing you again and learning about the work you're doing out there at Wolfson at the University of Cambridge. Uh, here's to your continued success, and I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Professor Steve Evans of the Sustainability and Conservation Research Hub at Wolfson College at the University of Cambridge. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other interviews and case studies with remarkable leaders in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at Liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not already doing so. It helps others to find the show. And I very much enjoyed producing today's episode for you. I hope you found it informative, insightful, entertaining, and a lot of other good things as well. And I look forward to catching up with you on Monday. 